Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Nancy. My name is Matthew. And we like to talk about movies we watched growing up together. This week, we are diving into a couple of fantasy movies that ironically both came out in 1984. Later in the show, I am going to talk about Neverending Story, but Matt's going to get us kicked off with a discussion of The Last Starfighter. Yeah. Uh, Last Starfighter. So let me preface this with I saw this after I saw Star Wars. So I was already kind of in like this I like space movie kind of thing. And one aspect of this movie that's really kind of fun if you're young. I mean, this movie's rated PG. So there's some kind of tense, kind of scary moments, kind of whatnot, but not nothing really graphic. Probably the most graphic thing is um, the main character's little brother and his playboys. Or aliens getting their arms blown off. Oh, that's minor. So anyway, so I was probably kind of... I I think one of the things that really drew me to this movie is, you know, you've got outer space. You've got a guy who's, like, flying a spaceship as a star fighter. So he's, like, shooting guns at... You're shooting his blasters in space and having a space battle. But also, it's about a bo- uh, a teenager um, named Alex, played by Lance Guest, who is he lives in a trailer park with his family. They're the managers of the trailer park, and he doesn't have a lot of free time to like hang out with his friends because a lot of times he's doing chores around the trailer park, like Luke helping someone, like helping someone with their electricity so they can watch their soap operas on time. You know, things like that. All he really wants to do is get away. He's trying to apply to a college and get a loan so he can go away to school and start a new life. But he's so obligated to do things around the trailer park that his only real outlet is playing this video game called The Last Starfighter. Well, he ends up beating the game. You know, it's like an arcade box kit kind of thing. And... What he doesn't know is that by beating this game, he has now been recruited by an actual, like, alien race to be a starfighter to help them fight a war in outer space. And I think one of the things that was that's really cool about this is this whole idea of, you know, you could play this video game and then go on this big adventure in real life, which is probably one of the things that made me as a kid, you know, kind of interested in it. And and again, I was already into kind of like Star Wars and stuff like that. So, you know, I got to say, we had both of these movies. I have a very, very vivid image of this. I'm pretty sure we had these movies back to back on the same dubbed VHS. Maybe. I remember it being having like a red tag and us in one of our I think it was your handwriting. Mm. on the label the person who invent the alien that invented this game who takes human form is played by um the music man (laughs) robert preston and unfortunately this was his last film he Mm. died four years after this movie had come out and like the music man which is where we were introduced to robert preston um he's kind of a con artist salesman Mm -hmm. (laughs) who um who invents this game and um, in my research, I found out that the the writer of the movie had this idea, like, what if 
there was like this Excalibur kind of thing where mm-hmm. instead of pulling the sword out of the stone, you were like the chosen one. Yeah. What if it was all on a video game? And Robert Preston even mentions that. Like they say to him, like, this is another one of your Excalibur schemes or something like that is actually used in the movie. So, you know, he goes to space to fight to become this last starfighter, but he's kind of, he's reluctant at first. And then he sees the potential threat on Earth as he's up there and decides to become a starfighter. Well, while he's making that decision, the base, the alien base where they're all at gets attacked and all the starfighters that are there are all in the hangar. That's what they blow up and they're all destroyed. So he then becomes the last starfighter. And he eventually flies up to space, go, has this epic battle um, with it. You know, he's got a co-pilot and it's him in this pretty fancy uh, spaceship that, you know, with guns on it. And um, he eventually wins and is asked at the end of the movie, you know, to stay there and just, you know, kind of lead the next group of starfighters you know, and become like this superhero. And, um, you know, he's leaving behind a girlfriend, you know, his trailer park girlfriend, which sounds like she's trashy, but she's pretty, very nice. He returns to earth, grabs her. They go back up into space and live happy, happily ever after. Um, pretty simple movie. I think that one of the things that is kind of a challenge in this movie, especially now, but it is, like, if you watch it now, you're like, oh, my God, this is terrible. But, you know, in 1984, it was pretty impressive is the computer graphics. Because yeah. <laughs> um, basically, and, and this is kind of how I equated it, George Lucas and all the Star Wars movies used, you know, actually filmed um, models. Yeah. You know, and then put them on a blue screen for the space and everything like that. And, like, so use kind of a stop motion mm-hmm. and, you know, actual motion kind of thing to do all the flying. Well, they decided to instead, you know, use computer graphics. But at that time, computer graphics were not that yeah. great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it took a good, you know, it took a good almost 10 years to get to, uh, where you were with doing the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park and a few years less that, you know, to do uh, Terminator 2, right? Mm-hmm. But to do a space battle, they were not, it wasn't really great. So the the computer graphics are kind of almost on the level of Tron, I would say. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I watched this movie and it's dated. It's not very um, good. Oh no, I still like it. I still enjoy it. it. It's 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 fun, simple. It's something that if it wasn't for a couple scenes, I would set, I would show my kid. I mean, I saw this when I was probably like five, mm-hmm. maybe six, and I would mm-hmm. show that to him. Now to him, he he has a hard time with with um, certain uh, certain elements that are scary or yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Um, at that, I think at that age, I had already become numb to certain things. Yeah. Um, no, I I was definitely I gotta say. I was way more into watching this movie than I was your movie. (laughs) So um, I could I think that like the pace of this movie was better. It had some funny elements to it. Um, The whole the whole kind of thing in the movie where he has a clone on Earth Mm -hmm. to kind of was pretty funny. 
that was added all later. Mm. Like they kind of they kind of decided to add a majority of those scenes where it's just the beta unit on Earth after they had fil- after they had filmed a lot of mo- a lot of it because they realized like that comic relief kind of gave it a nice edge. Yeah. That was a little more entertaining than if it was, you know, it was going to be too serious otherwise. As serious as this movie could be. I mean, it's a PG movie. It's not made for people our age, really. It's made for, you know, Mm-mm. kids, so... But I still find it entertaining, if anything, for nostalgia reasons. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's why we watch these. Um, I thought we would talk about a couple of things. Well, first I'll tell you... When he was introduced, I kind of looked at him and I thought, I think this guy's going to be my favorite character. And it's Zur, the bad guy. Like oh, him and his yeah. floating head. Kind of like similar reasons why Kylo Ren ended up being my favorite character of the first three, the last most recent Star Wars movies. He's such an entitled, whiny kind of guy. Like, I want my scepter. Where's my scepter? <laughs> shoves out at the end. I mean, he, you know, I thought... I am was, your... I am leading your empire. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, he's very whiny and very, you know, just... I, But I found him pretty entertaining. Um, I, re, I remembered vividly when he had his little hologram head floating and talking to his dad saying, oh, yeah, I caught your spy, and look at what we're going to do to him. I remember yeah, that they, scene. And they melt his brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, Matt, I was pretty bored watching this movie today. I could just not, maybe just not be in the mood for fantasy right now. That could be my bigger issue. But, I mean, right okay. now seems Right now it does seem like the time we could use a little fantasy because reality yeah. right now is pretty scary. Yeah. So. But, um it, this movie to me just felt so much like a copy of Star Wars in so many ways. So I was having a hard time really wanting. Oh to yeah, get you've into got. It, and oh it yeah, just, you've got the ugh. you've got the um, Robert Preston character who's like Obi Wan. Like, you should fight the Empire. Mm-hmm. You know, you should become a Jedi. That kind of thing. Well, and he's so much like Luke. He's so much like Luke. Yeah, Alex. Well, is he doesn't. He doesn't work on a farm. Come on, yeah. he's not on a farm. Yeah. I, I mean, I was I was I was kind of pulled out of the movie a lot while I was watching. I was kind of distracted and I just really couldn't get into it. But the thing I thought would be fun to talk about would be our early experience with video games, because oh, yeah. this movie, the engine, like you said, for him to be yeah. selected was all about all around this one video game they had at the trailer park. And I don't know if you remember this or not. You may not. You may have been too young. But do you remember some of our first exposure to um, table video games? There was um, a racquetball club that mom and dad used to go to, and we would go mm-hmm. with them. I remember. I think in like Castro Miss, Valley. Yep, yep. Like there was, there was a Pac-Man game. I think there was a Centipede game. Um, there may have been a couple other ones, but we we are a strange. I I had I had a TMI. Uh-oh. But there was a time like, you know, we would go to the we would go to that racquetball club. And I remember playing like tag with uh, our family friends that also had a membership there and their kids like playing tag. But there was one time where I, I went and maybe dad just took me, but our family friend, they were there. And um, it was that was my first experience with what a sauna was like. Oh, weird. OK, yeah. <laughs> were you were you? <laughs> Re-traumatized. 
No, okay. no, it was very, it was very civilized. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't. But, but that's what our like my memories <laughs> of that racquetball club <laughs> are running around and playing tag and getting lost at the racquetball club, and going into the sauna for some bizarre mainly because dad was there and it's like he can't leave me outside you know it was like it was it was weird but everything was very it was very pg and and civilized but it was hot because it was a sauna i was worried where this was going so i'm glad that i'm glad that it didn't get to a well, remember this. Remember, we, we this is this is kind of a time capsule, and you you brought it up. So yeah. thanks. There was nothing traumatizing okay, about good. that story. Okay, okay. I'm t- I'm not I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. Oh, I'm okay. Right. I'm not. I'm I'm totally fine. So so in addition <laughs> to um, these these two or three games that we played at the racquetball club, um, Pac Man, Centipede, and I don't know if there was another one. But we were also early adapters of Atari 2600. And yep. we, you know, we had various games on the cartridges, but we also had, like, these... you remember the cool, like, chips that we had on, like, the pirated master cartridge that we were using? I'll, I gotta tell you. Go ahead. I just, this past week or the week before, finished watching an interesting special called High Score on... Uh, Netflix, and it's a six-part mini documentary about the early ages of arcade and video and home mm. video games. And I looked that up. That I looked up that cartridge with the chips on it, and I just emailed Dad today, asking him where we got that. I don't know where we got it from, and so I asked him so he can verify. Like, did one of our uncles give it to us? Did he buy it on the black market? You know what? How did we get it? But yeah, it was pirated games, and I looked it up online, found a picture of it, sent it to him, said, "Where did we get this?" He has not responded back yet. But yeah, it was a thing that lots of people had. <laughs> but I know where you're going with this, and we actually had a game that was similar to this that we played on the computer. Like, remember how we had like the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and then we had the one that would look like a computer that had the tape deck that re- was how we saved files. Do you remember that? Are you talking about the compact computer with a five-inch screen? Because that was where we played King's Quest. No, 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 no. That was King's Quest. No, there was... We also had... And I remember, like, you practiced actually doing, like, programming on it for a little while. You did. Wow. And anyway, it it had, like, a keyboard, but it had a slot for cartridges on it. And we had a game that was a flight simulator in space mm. and you'd shoot like you'd shoot stuff like other ships and everything. I remember playing it all the time and it reminded me a lot of this game of this movie. Well, it turns out when I was doing my research, they tried to make an actual video game of last starfighter, mm-hmm. like tried to take, like it wasn't going to be like the one in the movie. Cause the one in the movie was all fake, you know, it was all movie effects and not actual video game effects. They tried to they they tried to put it out, but they couldn't figure out how to get the licensing right, like mm-hmm. who owned the name Last Starfighter or anything. So it didn't really it didn't really go anywhere. But they they kind of made it with other names, you know, with like different names for Atari Twenty Six Hundred and a couple um, other systems, probably Commodore sixty four or whatever. But um, I'm not that big on video game console history, so. But yeah, it it does the video game aspect is cool and the whole kind of 
you know, sword in the stone aspect, I think, of the story is really one of those things that gravitated me towards it because, I, you know, I'm sure I was playing that spa- that game, you know, at home on that little computer where I'm flying through space hoping I can get a high score and, like, some alien would come and bring me, to, you know, come down and take me to some other planet so I could save their uni- save the universe or the galaxy or whatever. So, I mean, that would have been fun, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about some of our favorite games that we used to play because I probably have about four or five that I remember really enjoying. So, like, I really liked Cubert, you know, Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man. Those were great. Breakout was probably my favorite game. That um, was. I remember you playing Breakout. I love Breakout. Um, we liked the bowling game. That was. I, I always thought that was pretty fun. I mean, the graphics are ridiculously silly, but mm. I liked bowling. Um, hey, Frogger. Hey, we could knock. We could knock down those ten dots just as well oh, as yeah. anybody with our big dot. <laughs> with our big dot and like our strange like stick figure person that we're controlling and like basically just sliding up and down. That was the extent of us controlling him. Um, I wasn't as much of like a Donkey Kong person. Um, Pitfall. I liked Pitfall. Um, And Frogger. I don't know if you heard me say Frogger. Um, I can't think think of too many other ones, but those I remember. Do you remember high rotation? Do you remember Adventure? Where... Adventure was basically what became like the precursor to what would become the Legend of Zelda, oh. where you actually went like like up and down doorways to screens, and the screen would move, and there was like a mm. dragon, and you like got like an it was your you were a cursor, and then your cursor would get like an arrow, and that would be oh, like your yeah, your, your sword familiar. thing to kill the dragon, and you went to a castle and. Yeah. It, w- it would change colors. You'd have to get to, like, the black castle and then get to the yeah. red castle. And, yeah. And that was on the 2600. And I remember playing that game a lot and being into that game. Um, I wasn't as much into Space Invaders oh, as yeah. Grandpa was. Grandpa was into Space Invaders he, to the point where he almost got Carpal Tunnel. Yep. I liked Space Invaders, too. Um, I remember playing Frogger a lot. Oh, yeah, Frogger the was problem with the. The problem with that, like, pirated chip thing that we had was the prongs would get bent and yep. then it wouldn't work really well. Yep. And that's where I actually learned the whole blow on it kind of thing <laughs> on the cartridge before Nintendo was doing it, which Nintendo says doesn't really do anything. But anyway, yeah, that was how we grew up with video games. And then I got a – I bought myself a Nintendo – after it was like kind of big, it was more. I think it was probably like 1987 or 1988 when I finally got a Nintendo, to the point where it didn't even come with like the gun or mm. Mario Brothers. Like I had to buy a game to go with it. And then my next gaming console wasn't until the PlayStation Two came out. Mm. I didn't. I was not as huge into video games. Um, even on the computer, like there was a few that I would play, um, but I wasn't like religious, religious about yeah, it. Um, and of course I say that now and I've been playing my, my Nintendo switch with my son for like the last week That's because okay. he's, he's, he's into it. You know what? There's, there's so many, a lot of people want to want to diss certain video games and, and like I said, I highly recommend that that documentary if you like video games. I thought it was pretty neat. High score. But, um, high score. It's on Netflix. Okay. It's a six-parter. It's kind of in the same vein of that 
um, series they had called The Toys That Made Us. Hmm. Similar, similar vein. It's pretty interesting, but uh, I don't know. Good problem-solving skills. I mean, obviously, Alex Rogan had to have some sort of skill to shoot all those aliens to get you know recruited by the star league to defend the frontier against zur and the code and armada <laughs> um, <laughs> did you ever see the documentary king of kong yes very good excellent that's very good about the um the race to break the record i believe of um, donkey kong and then and then later like it was discovered after that i think even after that documentary came out that the guy was cheating not the main guy. I think there are there opponents there was another he guy. was against that were cheating yeah, or something. Yeah, they were cheating. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but yeah, I, I mean, The Last Starfighter, I, under, I, I get where you're, go- where you're coming from. It's kind of dated. You got to be committed. You can't, like, half-ass this movie. You have to be like, I want to watch The Last Starfighter and already have, I mean, already have some sort of interest in what you're getting into. Um, but, uh, you know... It's one of those movies that, like we've said before, like we grew up watching it, so it's kind of like become part of our DNA in mm-hmm. a sense. And I think, I think the, uh, I think there was for me, for me also because we had watched The Music Man, mm-hmm. and Robert Preston was in that. We kind of already had this connection to that mm-hmm. actor, mm-hmm. so that probably prompted us to watch it a little more. But it's still, it's still fun. I, I, I found out. Um, you know they were they've been talk they were talking about making a making a sequel to it like ten years ago, mm. and the guy who played Zor was gonna was going to um, come back as Zor. Yeah, I mean because he put he went out in that escape pod and we never saw him again, so he's right. still floating out there in space. The idea, I guess, one of the ideas they had for for a sequel was to um, have him come back and. The, the new starfighter that would be the like the one you focused on would be Alex and Maggie's kid, you know, that they have in space, and he's the new starfighter. Um, but then they also, I guess, talked about the idea of doing that, but as like a reboot, you know, similar kind of thing, but as a reboot. Well, the, it just the, never The effects got would be better now. And I guess there's also, and because of those same reasons, because of the video game, where no one really knows who owns the rights to it, mm. it just any attempt to make that movie happen just has become like a legal battle, yeah. and they haven't done. It. I mean, considering the effects they have now and what they could do with yeah. it, would be kind of fun if you are dedicated to that story. Um, but I mean, there's been lots of bad movies that got remade that became really good. That you know. Sometimes, sometimes movies are dated, so yeah. they just redo them. So, who's your favorite? So, so, so your Zora's favorite my character? Zor is my Zora's favorite. Favorite. More, or more because Zora. he's not on the screen a whole lot, but I thought found him very entertaining for like similar reasons. I, I liked Kylo Ren. Um, my favorite scene. I don't know. I don't really have a favorite scene. Um, it's not. It's is it with one of the Zandozans? No, it's not I mean with one like Zandozans. <laughs> He just like hands hands. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I yeah, like I said, it's some, not when it's so not much when, of it, it. Maybe it was probably when the credits were rolling at the end. I don't know. <laughs> it's not when Lewis. It's not when Lewis is organizing his playboys. Oh my God, Yolanda, I missed you. <laughs> no, he says yo. He says Yolanda, baby. Oh, is what God, he says. So weird. How uh, old do you think Lewis was supposed to be? Nine or ten? Like nine yeah. or ten? Um, yeah. 
I don't remember watching this movie maybe more than twice at least at the most as a kid. I mean, this was a movie I you remember. watched on your own. Well, you bring up an interesting point, and I think this is a great time to transition because I was actually thinking about this and considering that this movie was this move I'm I'm like ninety nine point nine percent sure that this movie was back to back with never ending story on the same tape. Like this could have been another movie where we had a full fledged fight for the VCR <laughs> because it would have been like, I don't want to watch this. Oh, wait, that movie's starting. I want to fast forward through this. No, play that. I mean, you totally we totally could have had that that kind of moment because after now rewatching the never ending boring Man, that movie's hard to get through. It's <laughs> it rough. was so hard. It's rough. The never, I, the never ending story is so hard to watch. I, <laughs> you know, I I don't think I've seen this movie since the eighties. Um, but I know we watched it a lot. I mean, we watched it. The, was, we watched this movie. We watched this more. Yeah, we watched this more. I think because this was another TBS movie. Yeah, this is one that was on a lot. And it has you know the catchy song and all the like eighties electronic music. It's not like the Romancing the Stone kind of eighties music with saxophone. It's like the electric theme songs that you get from other eighties music, but. Yeah, I. Uh, it's almost it's almost disco though. It's almost got, like it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, apparently, uh, apparently, that song did not appear in the in the European version of this movie. Mm. They so, added that for the American audience. Yeah. So I mean, uh, tell us about this movie, Nancy. Yeah. So it came out in '84, <laughs> and I was probably around the age of Bastion when I saw it. I mean, I'm thinking he was like in fourth or fifth grade is what I'm guessing. Would you say he seemed like about a fourth or fifth grader? Yeah. I mean, he he, he was a pretty advanced reader in some ways. Yeah. So, so I was probably like a smidge younger than him, but not much. And I mean, the adult themes in this movie, I understand more now than I did as a kid. Like, um, you know, really grasping that his mother has died and how just broken he is and how sad and depressed he is over that. And, you know, him being bullied by the kids that throw him in the garbage dump, in the garbage dumpster. And then him kind of connecting with the bookstore owner for just a second because the bookstore owner thought he was like Alex in The Last Starfighter and just wanted to play video games. And he's like, uh, no, I know about books. I I have 180-something books at home. Mm. 186 is what he says. Yeah. 186. Yeah, he's like, I've read close. books, okay, dude? <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that he says how many books he has at the beginning of the movie when I was a little more invested, <laughs> that, that would be the only reason why I remember that. Yeah. I don't um, but you know he he steals a book that the book own, bookstore owner says you can't read this book it's too intense you get super involved in it and he's like ooh that it's sounds not a, great it's not a normal book yeah so he <laughs> so he swipes it and goes to school but sees oh math I've got a math test so he decides to go hide up in the attic which him finding like the secret room felt a little bit like Nightmare on Elm Street to me um, of course he was going to an really? attic instead of a boiler room um, but you know he locks himself into the attic at school and then you know he dives into this book and I don't talk to myself the way that he does while he's reading a book out loud so that was kind of funny to watch but maybe I should and then I would read books more 
Yeah. But, you know, so the, <laughs> the story centers around all of these different cre- creatures that live on Fantasia. And they're all very worried because something weird is happening to all of, the, to everywhere. And it's this big nothing that's sweeping the land. And Matthew. The nothing. The nothing is like COVID. Where it is just everywhere, you can't see it, and it'll kill you. Um, I don't. I don't know if it is as rampant as COVID, but I don't know. I. I. That's that. I. I don't. I don't know if I agree with your connection. It's there, okay. But I'm I mean, not, I'm also not going to debate you on it. It's okay. Um, but but I mean, the creatures in this are all kind of weird. I th- I probably thought they were more interesting when I was younger, but I'm just not super into them now. Eventually, you know, enough of them gather and go see, try to go try to see the Empress, but, you know, the guy, her spokesperson, her PR person comes out instead and says, nope, she's not doing well, she's dying, and we need a Plains Warrior guy to come, and here comes 11-year-old Atreyu, who they don't believe in buttons in his culture because his shirt is, you know, open the whole time. He doesn't have buttons to close his shirt. So that's Atreyu. He, you know, they're like, we didn't want a kid. We want the warrior. He's like, no, no, I'm the warrior, and if you don't want me, I'll just go out and hunt some purple buffalo. So you you decide. And like, no, you're fine. You can do it. And he and his horse, Artax, go on the adventure but then they quickly come across end up in maybe the saddest scene of the entire movie where they end up in the swamp which the, to the, me I feel like is a metaphor swamp, of it, depression how it it's called isn't it called swamp like of the sadness. swamp of, of sadness yeah. yeah so so this the poor horse ends up getting sucked in to the swamp of sadness aka depression and it kills him and then Arta you know, then Atreyu somehow gets out of this and uh, is able to make his way to the next part of his adventure. And eventually, the best part of the movie, which is Falcor, the dog dragon, who basically looks like a cocker spaniel, um, swoops in and helps him out. And But, yeah, I mean, eh. it wasn't... I didn't really enjoy rewatching. I mean, I haven't seen it since the 80s for a reason, I guess. Um, you know, even and then the weird thing that happens throughout the movie is that Bastion, the human kid, ends up integrating into the book, and then it turns out at the very, very end, after so much of the Fantasia world has been wiped out because of the nothing, Atreyu is with the Empress, and she's like, well, I need a new name, dude. And we need a human child to say it. He's like, I don't know human child. How the hell am I supposed to find a human child now? I've been all over Fantasia. I've flown on my dog dragon. Where am I supposed to get a human child? And then she's like, he's been with us all along. It's his story, too. And then everyone's like, what? What's going on? And then Bastion gets to finally scream out his, his mom's name. He wants to give the Empress his mom's name. And I'll tell you, I don't know if you remember this. I never understood what the hell he was saying when we were kids. Nope. Nope. It wasn't until closed captioning for, you know, and, and which I did and today. Ba- 
and backup research online. Yes. Which I did both of those today, and her name is this wacky-ass hippie name, Moonchild. And, okay, great. Moonchild it is. All right, the Empress is Moonchild. The Empress and and Bastion end up with, like, a tiny little speck of sand of Fantasia left in their hands, and he's able to make whatever wishes he wants, and... His first wish is to be like a Treyu and fly through all of Fantasia on Falcor, um, you know, to go across like all the different green screen scenes. And then his second wish is to um, confront the three bullies. And then he just keeps flying around, and that's it. That's the end. And it's like, okay, great. Uh, I, I don't think, yeah. I, this, I'm, I'm not into it anymore. I, I've outgrown this movie fully. Um, the, the, all the creatures in it are just very weird to me. Like, I don't know. I don't think this movie has any kind of connection to, like, the Muppets, right? No. Yeah. No. So, the, so the puppets are very, very different, and, like, the makeup's very different, but it's just... Eh, eh. Here... Yeah, I was not into rewatching this. I never really was into watching this movie. Like, I saw it because it was on, but I don't remember ever really liking it. Mm. This thing, like, I remember the best thing was like the Gamark, the 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 dog the that wolf. like the wolf that was like hunting them, which is the scariest part of the whole yes. whole movie. Yes. I kind of wish the whole movie was about that dog <laughs> trying to kill Atreyu, but um. <laughs> This, there's some dark shit in this movie that is weird and interesting. I mean, in in like if you want to watch a movie that has some darkness in it, that is still kind of cheesy but slightly more watchable. Watch Labyrinth. You know, watch yeah. something. Yeah, I mean, something like that. Don't watch this movie. I was the thing that kind of disturbed me, other than. You know, the fact that this movie was not great and did not hold up, even though it has a huge following. I mean, there's bands named after characters in it and shit. But um, they made two sequels to this movie. Mm. And that just and I think it was more just a a vehicle to have more Falcor, honestly, more well, Falcor. Falcor is the best. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. And then also, um, apparently this movie's based on a book, mm. a German book that came out in like 1978, maybe. And they only, the, the movie only covers the first half of that book. Mm. And I'm like, what? Wait, <laughs> so do they like skip a whole bunch and then skip to the end where he gives her her or, name and then he gets to have all his wishes? Or he gives her her name and that's the middle of the book. I don't mm. I don't know. I mean, not like I would read it, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that just freaking disturbed me. So, yeah, I was just like, I can't believe that this was a book in, in the first place. I mean, it makes sense because it's I don't know to only do half the book, then make sequels to it. And I have zero desire like I had tons of desire to rewatch Terminator movies or Mad Max movies to, like, really kind of get the full story on that. I don't give 
three shits about watching chapter two or three of this I've never series seen of movies. And it's not I don't I don't want to crush the memories of kids that grew up watching this like we did that still love this movie. But there's a reason why season three of Stranger Things only kind of like homaged the song and nothing else about this movie. (laughs) Speaking of that, okay, speaking of Stranger Things, Atreyu reminds me a little bit of Eleven. I think they look a little similar. I would, I see that. I mean, he's got kind of feminine features at that age, and I I feel like there's, there's a similarity between the two. I mean, not really like I can tell them apart but there's just something kind of similar about their faces Um, I will say to put into context you know looking back if this movie is not as good as it could have been well why would we have why would I in particular have watched it more than the one time we have to remember the options of things to watch back then was really limited I mean in the end it's not like now where there are literally thousands of movie options at our fingertips at any given time nowadays with all the different streaming options. It's just limitless, really. Back then, I mean, especially if we got this movie, let's just say, for argument's sake, 85. We had maybe, what, maybe 30 movies at that point? Maybe? Maybe? I doubt. I doubt we had that many. I mean, this was this was this was in that like first lot of movies we ever got on. Yeah. You know, on tape. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, so it was obvious why these would be in heavy rotation at that age. Yeah. Because we didn't have the like you mentioned, we did not have the options like we do now. I mean, my son can sit there and watch a whole television series now in a day, get bored of it, and then want a new one the next day, whereas we had to wait every week for episodes of a television series and, yeah. you know, couldn't watch a whole series in, in, a, in a matter of a couple of weeks like you can now. I mean, yeah. the, having you, – you bring up a very, very good point that things are so – and it's just like music. Things are so oversaturated right now that – the the what ends up being good tends to be just what's trendy. Yeah. Whereas when we were kids, we didn't have a lot of options. So yeah. you stuck to you kind of gravitated towards whatever those options were. Yeah. So which you know is why some of the picks that we have are slightly obscure. Yeah. They're what we grew up with. And in some ways, you know, we had some op- we had some more options than other kids we knew yeah. growing up. I yeah. mean, there's lots of kids who weren't allowed to watch TV or didn't have cable or a VCR or weren't never went to didn't have three movie theaters around them to go and walk to the movies. Yep. So we had a lot more options, you know, in a lot of ways we are fortunate for that. But, you know. And, and I think when you, the, some, when you some have, of those some of those options don't live live the test of time. No, I mean, and I think and I think both you and I, I mean you say it almost every episode how you'll rewatch a movie over and over again if it happens to be on you'll you'll land on it and watch it. I mean, we both have that personality type where something that's really familiar becomes kind of like comfort food. And I think back then, not having 
tons and tons of options, it's like, well, let me just throw this in again. Why not? Um, you oh, just yeah. get very familiar with it, and it's like, well, okay. And especially with a, a movie that has some suspense to it, when you know what's going to happen, it's not as intense and scary, so you can feel a little safer, like, oh, okay, they're going to be okay. Atreus going to kill the dog. Or, you know, you just kind of... You're not as panicked about it as you would be like a like on a first viewing or whatever. But I can't believe you spoiled that Atreo kills the dog. I can't believe you just spoiled that. <laughs> Matt, this movie came out uh, 36 years ago, so not worried I'm, about I'm, it. I'm, I'm I'm kidding. Yeah. Did you, um, d- you're not going to spoil that Morla was a giant turtle or now, are you? <laughs> you know, it's funny because, again, I haven't seen this movie in over 30 years. And while watching it and they're like, oh, we're going to show them out. I'm like. That's a turtle. I swear yeah. to God, I remember that's going to be a turtle. And I'm like kind of yeah. sitting there waiting, like, when is this turtle going to pop up? And it's like, ah, oh, there yeah. it is. I, I, will, I will admit, I was a little surprised that Artax, the, the, the horse, died as soon as he did in Me the movie. Me too. I thought he lasted a little longer. I, t- I did too. But, um, but things like, like, uh, like the racing snail. Like, I can't wait for a snail. Oh, don't worry. He's a racing snail. I was like, that is something a five-year-old would come up with. (laughs) He's a racing snail. (laughs) Well, the actor who plays um, the guy in the top hat, who I believe is on the racing snail, he told... Was he in... Was he... I think... Was he in the, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movies as the Oompa Loompas? Yeah, I don't know if that guy... I don't know if the actor who played the never-ending story snail guy... Was in uh, Willy Wonka or not? But it, it, it is completely unimportant. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, we picked these movies because they really were kind of early in our kind of. They were kind of like foundation movies for us. Um, Definitely not, not not foundation like necessarily. We Academy Award-winning uh, yeah. films or anything like that, but we did watch them a lot, and early on, and I think it was for that reason. The we didn't, we just didn't have tons and tons of variety at the at the time, so they just kind of gotten some high rotation, and why not? But yeah, yeah I'm I'm not in the mood to rewatch this again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, yeah, it's. Like I said, I, th- I think the I think the idea of Bastion dealing with his mother having passed away and really escaping into books. I mean, I I appreciate that, and I appreciate the idea of the nothing being this like just this, and that because that could be depression too. You know, the yeah. n- the nothing can be just overpowering depression that will just wipe you out. Um, well, and I think that I think I think you bring up an. That, this is something that I thought about, too. Like, man, uh, you know, for a kid, you want to focus on the fantasy aspect of this movie. But, like, as adults rewatching it, I almost wish that, like, they would deal with the whole, like, loss of his mom and, like, the relationship he has with his dad. Um, another thing that, that was very bizarre and totally odd that I, that I, um, I noticed was, did you notice the drink that his dad made at breakfast at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was basically raw eggs in a blender turned into a drink. I thought it was orange juice. No, it was eggs in the blender that yeah. he blended, put in the glass, and was drinking it. And I was like, is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? That just sounds gross. I mean, I know you can add eggs or egg whites to, like, protein shakes and things like that, but I don't think you would just whip up eggs in a blender and drink them. 
I could have sworn anyone, it was orange juice in a pitcher that he poured in the blender, but I could be wrong. But he put, I know he put an egg in there, so that, from that yeah, point Gerald on, Nick, I was like, Gerald what is Gerald <laughs> Yeah. Major so, dad. <laughs> so the opening with, you know, Bastion and his dad, it did remind me a little bit of um, Cloak and Dagger, where it's just the two, because yeah. I think... Um, Henry Thomas was his character was maybe just a little older than um than this kid Bastion. yeah a little maybe, bit maybe or maybe I don't know we we could I think I we think could, the girl, I think we could we could get away with saying they're about the same age yeah but I mean so that that similar kind of setup where a dad and his son are left behind after their mom the mom passes away and yeah. how they get through but yeah yeah never ending story I don't need to watch it again no. And I don't think this is a movie that like your son is ever going to be interested in watching. Um, he not right now only it's because there is some darkness in this movie that is like what the hell, but um, but no, I wouldn't. He could watch it, but he'd probably get freaked out by a few things. I, and 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 I mean, he gets free, he loves dinosaurs and gets freaked out by parts of Jurassic Park, which are yeah. clearly you know. You know, the T Rex could be scary, but he loves dinosaurs. So I was thinking, like, he'd totally be into that. Well, this is this is really kind of a strange comment, but none of the puppets or none of the creatures—they were all really ugly. If that makes any sense, like there was just kind of there was no there was no attractive kind of interesting characters that were you were like oh they're cute. Well, there there was just kind of like a weird they they were all just weird and. And uh, I can't ex- put it any other way. There was just ugly, like like they would never make like a plush toy out of any of the never-ending story characters. I mean, except for Falcor, I'm sure there's Falcor plushes out there. Let me let me big asterisk with the exception of Falcor, all the yeah. other characters were just kind of. I mean, I, that's why it was that's why it was an extra bummer that Artax died so early because it was like he's this beautiful white horse, but and he looks like a horse. He's like normal looking. He's not like some weird horse with like that's purple or anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a weird it's a weird observation, but I mean, the last observation I will make, and mm-hmm. then we can put this to bed, and then I have one last question for you that will sum up. This movie always kind of tripped me out because there's a scene where Bastion, you see Bastion throughout the movie, like staring at a book, and he's narrating it, so you hear him talking, right? And he's reading, and he's eating an apple, and he eats the whole apple, like core and everything. And I'm like, like I remember as a kid being like, Ugh, why would you do that? That's gross. But, yeah, I mean, weird. I guess you can. I mean, people do it. But it's like, dude, you ate the whole apple. Um, so, like I said, we could have been battling over this. And we watched both of these movies probably today. I watched them during the week. Which movie did you enjoy watching more? Um, I wasn't really into either of them. I mean, I really was just not in the mood to watch either. So, I mean, if I had to watch a movie again, yeah, I'd probably watch Last Starfighter again, and I'd hope I'd be more in the mood for it. But, I mean, I've decided, like, Never Ending Story is just kind of... like I, I really don't need to see that ever again. Um, I won't be his blanket statement with Last Starfighter. I mean, I'd probably... I don't know. 
I'd, I'd want to watch that maybe in a group and then a group where everyone has seen it so we can all kind of talk over it and not have to like pay attention to what's happening I think it'd be more fun as like a group watch maybe but I don't know so that's my answer I, I highly agree Last Starfighter much more watchable now than the never ending story yeah I think and and um, on that note I would just like to say I'm so glad we can put the never-ending story to bed because this was not a movie I wanted to rewatch. Oh, <laughs> I really yeah. didn't. I, I, I didn't really know what didn't. to expect. Like I said, we it's had been to. So we long. had to get. We had to get. I think that because of, like you had mentioned, the the importance of this movie to our childhood, it was good to rewatch. Mm-hmm. Our mom kept asking us, "When are you guys going to watch that movie?" She'd bring it up every now and then. It's like I don't know when we get to it. <laughs> And that is why I mention this, because I want to apologize to mom for always <laughs> having for, for potentially having this movie on more than we needed to, <laughs> because it is not very good. And um, as a parent, <laughs> I would also like to say I I get I, I get it now. I, I, I understand. I will say one last thing, though, about this movie and compare it to another movie we've talked about, a, a movie that we actually both really love. Mom would put this movie almost in a similar category as Willy Wonka because of the strange things that happen in Willy Wonka. And I think you and I would both get a little defensive about that because... Well, yes, Willy Wonka got plenty of weird about it. I think we both thought Willy Wonka was so much better. It is way better. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is no immensely, contest. immensely better. <laughs> no contest. But but there are definitely some strange things about Willy Wonka, especially the boat ride. I think, and maybe maybe that's yeah. where her mom would kind of connect. Never ending story. I think the, I think she can. I think she connected it with the Oompa Loompas, too. Probably. I mean, just, yeah. And I can confirm that the top hat guy at the beginning of the movie that rode the snail did play all the Oompa Loompas in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. With Johnny Depp? Yes. His name is Deep Roy. Hmm. And, um, so, yeah. Um, I, I'll, my favorite character, I'm going to just say then my favorite character is the bat that the, um, that the little, that... Uh, the creature at the be- at the beginning rode because the bat had no dialogue and he just hung upside down the whole movie, oh, which okay. is. <laughs> well, Falcor Falcor is my favorite character. Yeah, Falcor is great. I'm not Falcor. Gonna... So it's definitely Falcor. So our listeners need to know we had a cocker spaniel growing up, and I swear to God, Falcor reminds me of our, of our dog. In some ways, I get I I'm sure their their faces. His face is such a cocker spaniel face, and his little ears are the same. Yes, yes. Similar. And his, like, snout is almost like a mustache. He kind of is like... Yeah. Yeah, so... Anyway. <laughs> All right. The torture's almost over. <laughs> yeah. So I want to thank all of our listeners for I hope you were entertained listening to us talk about these movies. I want to thank you all, and um, don't forget to follow us online and, you know, send us messages chat about the movies tell us how much you actually think that never ending story is the meaning of your of your life and how you you know want to have a trade babies whatever <laughs> but uh anyway my name is matthew my name is nancy this has been fighting over the vcr thank you for listening thank you